0: welcome to the readerly report your hosts are gail weisswasser and nicole Bonilla. we hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations recommendations and observations on the reading life thanks so much for joining us so welcome to another edition of the readerly report um, today, Gail and I are going to be talking about some things that are coming out over the next few months and trying our hand at trend spotting. <laughs> so this should be fun. Um, we have not spoken in quite a bit of time, so we have a lot to catch up on. I want to <laughs> figure out what Gail has been reading, how she is doing in challenge land, and then we'll get to some of those trends and books that we can look for to in the upcoming months so gail why don't you take it away and tell us a little bit about your reading year thus far and and yeah um yeah i'm psyched to talk to you it's been a
1: while we had we were felled by injury by weather <laughs> by technology We've had a few little hiccups but everyone seems to be healthy again and the wind has died down so um yeah. So I've actually had a great January as far as reading has go- gone. I think my new rule of thumb for reading is to only read books that are just very highly recommended <laughs> by people I trust. And so far that has worked well for me. So I've read, um, let's see, I don't, when did we, well, I'm trying to think of what I was reading when we last talked. Um, I think that you had just finished I I know we talked about the Great Believers and I know we okay, talked so, about uh, um, yes, Daisy Jones. I think we right? talked
0: so and and I was asking you I think we talked about the I the remember corner I emailed you about too. the dreamers or I texted you about the dreamers because I wanted to see whether you thought you were in the middle of reading it and I wanted to figure out whether it was something that I should just get from the library or you thought it was worthy of buying and you said buy. I said buy. yeah. So So yeah. why don't we start there? I mean sure. we've heard so much about that book that was one of your big books that you were excited about from BEA. It's got tons of buzz. Yep. Um you really liked her first novel.
1: Yep. So I really so like this one this, too. How this one? Yeah, I really liked it too. So she has this great ability of taking these kind of global things that are happening. Or even if they're not global, they're just these sort of large things. In the first book, it was about the the slowdown of the earth's rotation. In this book, it's about this epidemic that sweeps through this college town where people start falling asleep for months at a time. And they fall asleep and they dream these very intense dreams. And you can see, and I guess they've been, there were researchers that sort of tested their brain activity and found that their brains were actually working in overdrive, like recording more activity than has ever been recorded in a, you know, brain activity before, but yet they're asleep and they don't wake up. So it happens in this town and it's, you know, there's thousands of people in the end who are affected by this, but she's really adept at making the effect of this thing very personal. So you learn about various people who have been afflicted by it or they're, you know, partners have, or their babies, or whatever it is, and it's just, she has this style of writing that I love. It's very, it feels very lonely a little bit, because it's sort of, she really gets in her character's heads, and you uncover the sadness of whatever's going on, but I don't know. I just, there's something about her writing that I love, and it was kind of haunting, and in the end, I'm not sure that, like, I truly understood what the significance of this sleeping affliction was, or why why it happened. And, you know, the, eventually the people wake up. So you, you know, you, it's sort of like, well, what happened and what was going on in there? And I, it, it's kind of an exploration of dreams and what they say about us. And I don't know, I thought it really was very thought provoking. So I really recommend it. It's not a very long read. Um But yeah, she's definitely an author for me that I like to have on the shelf.
0: Hmm.
1: Did you get that this? Sounds good. I really want to read it. I didn't. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Well, I'm happy to send it to you or you can buy it if you want, but it's really, it's really good.
0: Okay. That sounds good. So I
1: read that and then I was going to read this book that Sarah's bookshelves recommended um, about this guy who had been on death row for 30 years. I don't remember. I think, I think we talked about that with her on her show where he'd been on death row, wrongly accused of this crime. And I was like, oh, that sounds really good. And I got it on audio and I checked it out of the library and I made it like, I don't know, a day, like half an hour of audio and then another 20 or 30 pages of the book. And I just said, I think this was the one that was one of Oprah's book club. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just said, you know what? This is not the right book for me right now. Like it just, I was like, this you is going to be in a climb." Yeah. It was not the right book. Um, I'm sure it's a wonderful book, and maybe I'll pick it up sometime. But at that particular day, it was not the right book. So instead, you're going to laugh because this is so. So was unlike it too me. grim or something? I I think I just had a lot of stress in my life, and like it's. I mean, yeah. it, it is grim, but it's a lot. Of, you know, it's like, it obviously takes you through the like years of his courtroom stuff and the appeals and the lawyer acting on his behalf, and then all the prison stuff. And I just was like, I I, I could feel my body like not responding the way I like to respond when I'm reading a book. Like I just was really tense
0: and I just said, no, I can't do this. So instead. So the name of this book is The Sun Does Shine. Um, It's by Anthony Ray Hinton. Right.
1: That's it. And I will pick it up again at some point. I know. Um, Yeah.
0: It's like me with that prison book. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It just, I couldn't do it. So I instead read The Hating Game. Have you read The Hating Game? (laughs)
0: I think I tried to <laughs> try to read that and didn't finish.
1: Yeah. That's like the pendulum swing. But I think you, you said you're way. about to
0: surprise me. So yeah, maybe I will be picking up, picking up and trying to, I don't know. I it started off with them. Aren't they secretaries working somewhere and, or they're, yeah, they're like executive they work in the same yeah. office and they are sort of competitive with each other. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's like a romance. It's very light. <laughs> it's, um, you know, this book is
0: like all over Goodreads. It's um, should we be saving this for February when we attempt to do a romance show? Uh, we could, and <laughs> I'm I've, kidding. It, well, I'm I'd kidding. be happy to talk about it in
1: February, but it is um, it's it's yeah, it's these two people they work for these rival CEOs, and so they absolutely loathe each other and they're super competitive. <laughs> and then, of course, you know where this is going, like you know, they
0: fall in love, they fall
1: in love, but like she does a good job of really teasing it out and sort of this very slow buildup of how they get to where they end up. And it was a very entertaining. It was just like, it was exactly what I needed at that particular time. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking for something light, like that's also witty and funny and sexy, this was a good one. So I like just ate this one up. I did it on audio, but then I had the print. So I was going back and forth and, it was really good. And the audio was excellent. And the only th- complaint is funny. Somebody had this complaint on Goodreads. And I agree with it is that you don't, you can't figure out where it's set. And somebody wrote that it really bothered them. And then someone else wrote, well, "Like, why do you care? Like, what does it matter? But, um, I kind of agree. Like the author is, um, Australian, but mm-hmm. the book feels very American. And she talks about dollars.
0: Although I think Australians use dollars too. So, It depends on, I mean, the author could be Australian, but it really depends on whether it was written for an Australian market. And then they have editors, you know, in each market a book is picked up. You usually are working with a different publishing house and a different editing situation. So they do make decisions on, like, how, I guess, Australian a book is going to be. Are they going to make conversions from dollars? You know, the cover, just so much can change about a book. Yeah.
1: Well, it was a generic urban setting
0: and does it i mean yeah what what was the nag in wanting to know I'm i don't curious. know i can't
1: explain it. it and i probably wouldn't have even noticed if i hadn't read that one stupid comment on goodreads <laughs> but like there was something about it that i was like yeah where is this because i wanted to picture it because they they both had cars so i'm like okay well they don't live in manhattan but where i just i don't know i just wanted to know
0: <laughs> they yeah. both have cars so they don't live in manhattan <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not if they're assistants they certainly do not. right
1: So anyway, that was a good palate cleanser. And then I read, um, Our Souls at Night by Kent Haruf,
0: which. Oh, that's such a good book. Are you going to watch the movie?
1: Yes, I'm going to watch the movie and I think I'm going to like pick up the rest of his books.
0: So good.
1: I loved that book. Have you read
0: anything else by him or just that? No, I haven't. I should, um, you know, that should make, I think he's one of my, um, I was going to say when we do our men show. Hmm or to add more men to the rotation.
1: Yeah, he's a good one to add in. That was so good. Um it's about these it's about a 70-year-old woman living in a small town outside Denver who sort of shows up one day at her neighbor's door and he's a 70-year-old man and both of them are single because their partners have died and she basically says to him I have a proposition for you. Will you come and sleep in my bed at night? Not, she wasn't proposing a sexual relationship. She just was like, I'm lonely. I suspect you are too. And I'd love to have somebody to talk to at night. And this very sweet relationship develops between the two of them. And her grandson comes to stay with her for the summer. And so he's in the picture and it's just, oh, it's so poignant. It's just like this beautifully spare book. I loved it.
0: That was published after he died, I believe. Yes,
1: it was his last book. And he was dying when he wrote it. There's, oh. like, there's definitely like some sadness infused throughout that book. Oh, it's really good. So there's a trilogy that he also wrote. I think it's called Plain Song and Eventide is one of them. I don't know. Um, Catherine at um, Gilmore Guide really recommends the trilogy. So I'm going um, to take a look at those two. I think they all take place in the same town. It's called Holt, Colorado. So that is where I am. And then I've just started a book that I know you liked, which I'm very much enjoying so far, which is There, There by Tommy Orange.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you like that. Yeah. you're enjoying it. You know, I speak to people about it and um, people who have been trying to read it. Like I had another girlfriend who's trying to read it. She's like, I want to finish it. It has a lot of um, different perspectives. So if, you know if you don't feel like you're comfortable juggling a lot of them, then I feel like that's where a lot of complaints with that book is. Mm -hmm. But when you can get past that, it's, it's just so good. And the way it, it wraps up in this way that I'm just like, Hmm, I'm really surprised that I didn't think of this as it was happening, but we'll talk about that more when you finish it. I love that book. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm like three different characters in So far it seems manageable. Should I take notes or something just to remember who everyone
0: is, or is it not that can be that hard? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if there is, there are different perspectives. I guess it just depends on what kind of reader you are, because I don't even know that it's really important. I mean, by the time they come around to another perspective, usually you remember that story or can reintegrate yourself into it. I think that if you want a follow through narrative of one character, that's where it's difficult because it's it's not. You know, it's just like a bunch about a bunch of different people in this community who are preparing or are affected, you know, by by this event or, you know, like leading up to this powwow and just different ways that you can be Native American, the different ways that you practice culture. I just thought it was fascinating. Yeah,
1: I'm really enjoying it. This is our next book club book. So um, I'm, I'm definitely happy with this choice.
0: So what about you? Tell me what you've been reading. Okay, so I think the last time that we had spoke, I had I had read um, The Suspect by Fiona Barton, mm-hmm. which I really, really liked. What have I been reading since then? I feel like I've been reading a bunch of things, but I haven't really finished a lot. So I did read, I remember mentioning to you that I was reading On Chesil Beach by Ian McEwen. And how did you like which it? Which f- I finished. I liked it. I mean, I really liked it. It was such a sad kind of story. I mean, it was a little, I felt like there were some aspects of it that made it difficult to totally immerse myself in it because I feel like he was also, while he's telling the story, basically the story of this couple and how their relationship falls apart on their honeymoon and their different attitudes towards sex. At the same time he's very, he's making like these very particular judgments about culture and society in the 1960s and why people did things that wasn't a part of the characterization in the narrative. It was almost like having someone take you aside and say, hey, you know, look at these 1960s. Look at how uptight we were. So th- there were some elements that took me out of it. But essentially it was, you know, still just like a really you know, sad, beautifully told story about... Mm-hmm just how people too can be a victim of the period of time that they live in and and what's available to them at the time. Because when you think about that couple, if, if this were set now, they would have, you know, there would be so many more resources that they each had to talk to or just the way we talk to each other about things is so different and much more free that you can, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but that, that there are options for you and there is a way that this relationship could have worked. And it's, you know, sad that it didn't, Yeah, but really interesting. So I'm going to watch the movie, which of course has Sarah Saron in it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let me know what you
1: think of it. I, we're entering Oscar season here. So I feel like I have to focus on Oscar movies, but I, at some point I would like to watch that too. Do you know who plays the um, husband?
0: No. Um, Yeah, no, he's not anyone that I know from anything. The movie seems like it will be really good or really um, close to the story. Yeah. Okay, so you read Chesil Beach. So I read Chesil Beach. I read The Children of Blood and Bone by Tony Adiemi, which is sort of like this YA fantasy novel um, set, sort of. It's set in Nigeria, but it's like different nigeria because it's a fantasy novel about magic and basically how um, a certain population has been stripped of all its magic and the search to uh, get magic back into their lives which is led by this 16 year old girl and you know she combines with someone in the monarchy who is in power on this search to bring magic back to the people um, it was pretty good, but just I don't know, I'm just not a big fantasy person right now. But mm-hmm. I wanted to read it and I did. And I think that if you like fantasy and stuff like that, you'll like it. Um it's also really dramatic, you know. Sometimes I just don't do sometimes YA can be difficult for me because it's so it's so dramatic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that generation needs uh, some subtlety. I mean
1: they're they're not they're not good at subtlety. They need No,
0: no. It was like and <laughs> the word desperately and how it was used. She desperately wanted to do this, whether, you know, it's just, but it's appropriate, you know, like I have a teenage cousin and things are just very dramatic. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I also read as long as we both shall live by Joanne Chaney, which, you know, it starts, you basically, you know, some things in the beginning, it's sort of, it's sort of like a why done it from multiple perspectives. It um, starts off with this marriage that is back in the 1990s, I think, and this, this man is basically accused of killing his wife. And it happens again when he goes camping with his present wife and um, they're, they're going hiking in the mountains and she falls from um, she falls to her death in this river. So it is basically just going back into their marriage and their relationship to see, you know, how these events came about. Is this, you know, is this what it appears to be? Did he really kill both his wives or something else at play? What was happening in their relationships? And it delves quite a bit into the relationships of the detectives who are investigating the case. So it was an interesting book. I think it, almost tried to do too much i feel like there was two very separate stories that could have been go- going on in here and i didn't know that they were balanced as well as i would have liked but i don't know something like this is always going to be a page turner because you want to know what happened so
1: mm-hmm. so that's that should we try to read a book together in february so that we can uh, discuss something that we both read Sure. All right. Let's, let's decide. We don't have to do it on the show, but let's pick something that we both have um, either on our TBR now or something that's coming out soon or something we can both get our hands on and then maybe we can have a little discussion in February. Let's read Unmarriageable.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Okay.
1: Well, actually-
0: I was going to discuss that as part of um, the books that are coming out and trends because it is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice setting. Yep modern day Pakistan and you know we're all about those yes
1: yes that may be that may be the right choice um well I have some exciting news which I wanted to tell you about and anyone listening especially if they live in the DC area which is I am hosting an author event an author Q&A at a bookstore in March and I'm so excited it's the first time I've ever done that I'm gonna come down oh I would love it I would love it it's on March the 14th it's a Thursday and um I am going to be at Kramer Books, which is a bookstore in DuPont Circle, and it's two authors, Linda Loigman, who wrote um, The Two-Story House, and she has a new book out called The Wartime Sisters. And then there's another author that she's friends with who lives in D.C. named Greer McAllister, and I have not read any of her books, but the book that she's got coming out this spring is called uh, Woman 99, or Woman Number 99, I think. And I picked that one up at Bea. I don't know if you did too, Nicole. Um, but they—I'm going to do a Q and A with them at Kramer Books that evening. It's Thursday, March 14th. So if you wanted, we could read one of those two books, or we could pick something different. But if you um, are in the DC area, I'd love to um, see people who know me and know the podcast. Um, I think it should be really fun. Woman 99 looks good. Yeah. I can't remember where I picked that up, whether it was at speed dating or someplace else, but I I have it on my shop. Fun. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. So I'm excited about that.
0: So I have on my list to ask you about a book that's coming out by Ben Winters, because I know you read Mm -hmm. his Underground Railroad. Yep. Underground Airlines. Underground Airlines.
1: The new book looked a little too confusing for me. I wasn't really, I'm
0: not really that tempted by it. Why don't you say what the premise is? So it is dystopian. It's sort of like California in, in an age that is responding to basically, I guess, government corruption and untruth. So it's this community, this new California is super focused on telling the truth and, So everyone has to tell the truth because they don't want any more lies and propaganda. But they do have a department called, I think it's like the Speculative Service, that is responsible for rooting out untruths in this new society. And in order to do it, they are allowed to lie.
1: Okay.
0: So I think it's just sort of about what happens when you take this to... I mean, of course that can't be if we try to have a society where no one told any lies ever, but it, I think it becomes about how far do you go in lying in order to discover people's not telling the truth. It does, it does seem really confusing. But basically it centers on this guy who is the ninth, he's been part of this speculative service for 19 years, and I think he starts to have some questions about it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like there was a lot going on with that. And I just I liked underground airlines. Um, I liked it because it was so creative in its um, premise, which was that slavery had not gone away. And that we were living in the present day, but there was still slavery in the South, uh, throughout the South. And I just, I liked the premise of it, but I wasn't it, it was a little bit too thriller action-y for me. There was
0: lots of violence and, like, people I remember you saying up. it was yeah. really violent.
1: Yeah. And so I've, I'm not really tempted by this one.
0: People are really excited about this author, I think, because he uses a lot of elements of history mm-hmm. in order to support his theories and to support the world building in his books. And I think it's something you know, similar here, like how far are we going to take surveillance and recording? I mean, it's like a society that's constantly being recorded to monitor and make sure that people are telling the truth. And, you know, what kind of society is that and how harmful is that? And, you know, the people who work in this service led by this man are the only ones who can begin to make changes to this society or to like be impactful by way of revolution because they're the only one who has the power to tell lies. So it's like really the ultimate paradox. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, okay. But I wanted to ask you about that. I can see why that might not tempt you. It's like one of those books that's sort of a, it sounds interesting, but I don't know that I would read it. Yeah. But it's called golden state by Ben Winters. If it sounds interesting to anyone else. All right. So how are you doing challenge-wise? You're you're loving your oh, challenge? Yeah. I mean, I think I've read three
1: of the challenge. The Campus Novel, which was The Dreamers. Um, See, 12 is not going to be enough for No, you. it's not. Um, a debut novel, actually, I've got two because There There is a debut novel and The Hating Game was actually also a debut novel. So those that will be taken care of soon. And then non no memoir um from the corner of the oval that satisfied that so yeah i'm like three
0: in already some of these categories i'm really curious about for you like true survival
1: well remember we talked about that and i think i'm going to read that book about the woman at the north pole who oh right, right yeah right. so i think i'm going to be okay with that and then the self-help. one the self-help okay so i think i know what i'm going to do for self-help so there's this book I, and i was laughing because last night i checked my library account. And it looks like I'm like now number zero in line. So I think that means it's coming soon. Um, It's this book that this guy has written all about hangover remedies. And it's called hungover. And it's like he spent all this time researching all these ways to avoid getting hungover. And um, apparently he has some like fail safe method. But of course, none of the reviews I've read will say what it is because I think they don't want to, you know, sell them out. But right. um, I think that's going to be my self-help book. Does that count? Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I
0: mean, who knows? If it helps been me. been a couple of B party, BA parties where we probably would have needed that.
1: <laughs> yes. I could think of one in particular. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think when that book comes in to the library, which I'm hoping will be this week, and I read it, then I can tick off the uh, self-help book too. How's your pop sugar coming?
0: My pop sugar is coming good. It's funny. Well, the pop sugar one is there's a billion categories, so it's easier to fulfill them. Um, I'm not doing I've done one for yours, which is Children of Blood and Bone was a debut novel. Okay. so I haven't read any self-helps or any unread classics yet. But for let me see the pop sugar reading challenge. Um, I think I've already done a novel that was published in 2019, which is The Suspect. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I've 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 gotten like four or five. I think every book that I've read this year has checked off some something or another. So this is this is really fascinating to me. So I'll finish the 60 book one more easily than I will finish your 12 book one. Oh, interesting. Um, so
1: far, uh, here's something. Um, Stephanie Land is coming to Politics and Prose tonight, and she's Ooh, reading for me. Go? I'm going to try. Yeah, I'm traveling tomorrow, so it's a little tight, but I'm going to try. And she's being inter- she's being interviewed by Barbara Ehrenreich, and we've talked about the similarities of Nickel and dimed and Made. So I have the book with me, and I, my goal is to try to go. So I'll, I'll let you Well, know that's that interesting goes.
0: because, you know, um, Barbara Ehrenreich is kind of her mentor. Like, she was really instrumental in finding her, I think, in... Yep. in, in yeah, and she and wrote the foreword of book. the book. Yeah, so... Right. Um, I think Barbara
1: Ehrenreich is local. Her daughter is actually a friend of ours, and she is local. And I, I'm trying to remember if Barbara also lives here. Or if not, she probably comes here frequently because her daughter and
0: granddaughters are here. Um, okay, see. so... I just found my spreadsheet, so I can give you a quick update. Oh, okay. I had to read a choose-your own adventure book, which I think. Oh, I had mentioned. you I talked was reading, about that—the one about the castles. Yeah, um, my Lady's Choosing by Kitty Coran and <laughs> Larissa Zoriga—I think her name is. I read that. I mean, it was totally silly, and there was like throbbing members all over the place, and like s- sort of like this Regency romance type choose-your own adventure, you know, like. Turn to this page if you go to the castle with yeah, that's whatever awesome. shady guy or whatever. <laughs> so, But I did finish that. Um, the suspect I used for my uh, book with a two-word title. And I might change these around, but I did that. A book featuring an extinct or imaginary creature. I was able to use children of blood and bone because they had like, I don't know, these weird sort of lions and leopards that they rode around on and basically used as cars. Okay. Um, a book that's published in 2019. That was as long as we both shall live by Joanne Cheney. A book that takes place in a single day was on Chesil beach. Uh, by Ian. McKeown. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is. That's good. Yeah. Flashbacks.
1: Wow. wow. You're like working through that thing. Yeah. Um, so two questions about my challenge here. One is for movie in 2019, I'm wondering if I can get away with using the wife because I didn't see the movie in 2018 when it came out, but I'm hoping to see it in 2019. So I may do. So wait on, does
0: it have to Does it have to be? Uh, it does it have to be a book that? It so it needs to be a movie in two, 2019.
1: That's what the I mean. That's what the category was. But then again, this is my challenge, so I could maybe I'll just broaden that to be a movie you watch I in
0: think 2019. In a year, you can there's some book, there's some movie that's probably being made of something that's coming out in 2019. No, I mean, I keep posting do. all these lists of them, but for some
1: reason, none of them appealed to me. Maybe I'll do the hate you give because I really do want to see that. Um,
0: that was a really good movie. Yeah. I, I want to read that. It was too. pretty faithful to the book. Did that come out th- in this year or was it last year? Actually, no. So it's no good. Oh.
1: <laughs> and then here's a question for you. Would you consider Agatha Christie a classic? Of course. Okay. So I could read like, and then there were none as my unread classic. Although I read it, but
0: I was like 10. So. She also has Agatha Christie. I think that there's a new one of her. um, Amazon is making her books into movies. And I think there is one that is coming out this year that you could use because I want to see it. Okay. I think it's a book that I read, but I might reread it. Some of Agatha... Christie's books I find particularly chilling like certain sentences I just remember reading and being so frightened when I was little yeah I need to I need to pick up some more of those I just I loved them when I was little
1: I just have, don't really read mysteries anymore
0: yeah you know I keep saying that I want us to talk more about our origins as readers because I'm super curious about like what little Gail was reading Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right maybe we can do a whole show on that that would be fun
0: <laughs> that'd be really fun and how it came you came to be the reader you are and and to see the progression to gail the romance reader <laughs> hardly one book does not a romance reader make me one day in december oh that's what's the good. hating game yeah i don't know i see a trend mm. i spot i've spotted a trend gail it's a little disturbing <laughs> All
1: right. Well, let's look at um, let's look at what is hot right now. There's a lot of we, we made it through the January like anticipated lists, um, and then there were a lot of like 2019 lists. So I've got about three, four, five, six, seven books that one of which I know I've talked about before. But other than that, I have about seven books that I've seen on enough lists that they've kind of surfaced to the top for me about ones that I'm really most interested in Mm -hmm. um but do you want to take a step back and just sort of general commentary about what we're seeing in these books coming out sure i think they look pretty grim i think there's a lot of serious stressful big issue books and it doesn't surprise me given the world we're living in right now but it just you know one after another they just seem to be about oppression, about injustice. I don't know. That's that's the
0: impression I got. You seeing that too? I am. Um, there's lots about a, oppression and justice. A lot of what I'm seeing too is the continuation of just more stories from people who, for whatever reason, their stories have been marginalized in society, like. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the there, there stories, um, but then there's just all these books about, you know, whether it's Nigerian women or Jamaican women um, in England or, you know, just people from different backgrounds who have gone to countries or who have grown up in countries where they are not the majority telling their experiences. And so some of these books are kind of grim, but I was happy to see, you know, some of them either putting their own spin on uh, traditionally, I guess, European classics. um, And I guess claiming the culture that they've grown up with in that way, or just more, just more, I don't know, real true to life stories Mm -hmm. of different sectors of the population. But there is a lot of like, there is a lot of dystopian grimness, you know, just like books that I feel like I've reached my limit on, this is the America of tomorrow and it just sucks, you know, because we get enough, you know, there's enough anxiety and there's just like enough disturbing things in the news that I really don't feel like I want to read a fiction, you know, like engross myself in that. Yeah. Completely. So it's interesting to see that as all of these things, like I feel like I do want to be really particular, particular about the experiences that I'm reading about and, whose stories I guess I want to have in my psyche because I can't be reading the news full of just sort of dystopian horror and then, you know, be entertained by it as well. It's just like not entertaining. Right. right? If that's like, Oh, that could be tomorrow. (laughs) There seems to be like a death of hope, you know, like
1: kind of feel like I just think so much is influenced by our political situation. I, you know, I feel like in the Obama years, there were books about many of the issues you raised, but they seemed to end with some sort of a hopeful outlook. And right now, I think the fiction we're seeing does not share that hopeful outlook. Like, it's kind of like everything
0: sucks and it will continue to suck. <laughs> Speaking of that, this year we're getting um, the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> oh, man. I mean... Right. Coming out, I think, in October. Right. I wonder if... Uh, I, I can't really and imagine... she said sh- it was just because people have demanded to know more about these characters. Yeah. And that book, you know, I really... It's one of the books that I... It's one of the few books that I want to reread because it's a classic. And just to take a look at that. But from what I vaguely remember, you know, I think there might have been... You know, it's not completely... I think that there was some hope I don't remember. in that book at the end a little bit, but it was just sort of like grim hope. It's just like, you know, maybe they made it out, but this is, you know, this is the world and what is their life going to be like? And which I think is why people have demanded or have, you know, really wanted to um, have some resolution to that story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, and, may, you know, so as things get grimmer, Gail is going to, you know... Hear,
1: read more fan,
0: read more uh, <laughs> romances. You're going to read more um, romances and light women's fictions. I have a Sophie Consilla book that I can send you. <laughs> Do
1: you think it's just the lists that we're reading? Like, you know, I read books, lists from like the millions. You know, it's and- tough
0: with us. I mean... Cause we're big literary fiction girls, you know. I think at our core, well, you know, I'll read other things. I enjoy other things, but I really like literary fiction. I think that's where you sort of get these, um, I don't know, speculative books on the human condition where something is happening. Yeah. So I do think, in some ways, that we are skewed towards it. I mean, because then you've got Jasmine Guillory. She has a new book coming out. There's there's some there's some fun stuff that I think we can recommend. There's some fun stuff I'm looking forward to. Like I can't wait to read Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so maybe it is just what I was looking at, or what I,
0: as you say, what I gravitate towards. Um, yeah, I mean, well, because the millions, they're not going to say, "Oh, I read the Hating Game."
1: Right. It's just not their game. No, you're right, and that's not where I go for. I mean. I don't go to the source of people who are most likely recommending the hating game.
0: You know, another thing that I also feel like we're just getting a lot of dark stories about women either. I mean, stories, it's interesting how I guess fiction, the stories that you used to read about women, you know, is like we read so many stories where women are the victims to, you know, God knows what they're always missing. They're always murdered. They're sort of objectified. But we're getting like a lot of dark stories where women, you know, are biting back or they're having they're having dark thoughts about their children. They're killing their spouses. You you know, we have like these gone girl type books where things are not where they're seen. and, And women are really like embracing a much darker perspective and we want to read those books, you know, I think Mm -hmm. we had sort of talked about this when we were talking about like all the, like, why are we getting so much fiction about these women in terrible situations? And is is it about women who are sort of taking back their power or showing they can be just as vengeful or... I don't know. I mean, there's like lots of interesting things happening and it's always... Like when you're part of a moment, it's, it can be more difficult to see clearly what's going on, Mm -hmm. which I was saw when I, Ruth Wilson's going to be in a new movie and it's, it's a period piece. So it's set. in I want to believe the 1950s and like all the furnishings are just completely different. Like nothing you would see. There's like no light, bright colors. Everything is just heavy wood and um, heavy material and fabrics. And when you're in that, you know, like, it's why we're able to look back on a decade and say, oh, you know, the 90s, everyone was wearing flannel and, and burgundy lipstick or whatever. But at the time, you just sort of thought that that was what you liked. Right, right. All right. Well, so
1: what, um, now that the lists are all out, and we've had a chance to read them, and the dust has settled a bit, what do you, what, what's on your sort of narrowed down TBR for 2019, 2019 that you definitely want to look at. You mentioned Unmarriageable, but what else do you have? Yeah, i look
0: at that
1: immediately.
0: It came out on Tuesday. Oh, it did? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think I have the audio version, which I will check out. Okay. Um, I really want to read Tim Johnson's new book that came out. He wrote this book called The Descent, which I really liked. And he has a new one that sort of reminds me of Paula Hawkins' last book into the water in in just like the most basic way the premise being that these two um women go they're driving their car i believe and their you know their car goes into the river and just exploring um what might have happened one of them dies one of them lives but it's also exploring like other deaths that have happened surrounding this river and just like relating it to the town you know whether this was an accident um and if if these crimes are linked, uh,
1: somebody just reviewed that. I think it was Catherine. Mm-hmm. She really liked it. I think.
0: Yeah, she really she really likes him. I think Sarah doesn't. I think it, she, okay. <laughs> it takes two. And someone else, someone, um, a re, uh, someone Instagrammed me. I can't think of her name right now, but she was talking about she tried to read that book and didn't get into his his. Fiction is, um, he, he deals with disappearances or murder mysteries or whatever, but he has a very literary style. Mm -hmm. The book is like 400 pages long, I think. So it's like a meteor whodunit and like, so not everyone is going to like that, but I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. Oh, I have a book for you here and now and then by Mike Chen it's they're billing it as if the time traveler's wife were written by Nick Hornsby. Ooh, of course there's already interest in movie rights, but basically it's about this everyday family man who has been, he's been living in um, 1990 San Francisco and he sort of built a life there, but he is really a time traveler. You know, he had been, Um, working on a project and going back and forth in time when he became stranded and he builds this life. But I think in his, you know, his real life, he is someone who works in aspects of time travel and the year is 2142. And there's only been, like, even though he's had years where he's built this life and he has this daughter whom he really loves and he has a family and he's just sort of a normal family man, only a couple of weeks have gone back in his time. So they mount a mission to sort of help him back to what his real life is and so it's just all about you know how he can maintain both lives or you know keep his daughter safe okay do you know I lived in San Francisco in the 90s I have to read that really yeah I didn't know that yeah I I was there
1: 96 to 99 so that sounds up my alley when is it when is that out
0: um, I think it's out already. Or if it's not out already, it's out really it'll be out shortly. What's it called? Here and now and then by Mike Chen. Okay, writing it down. January twenty ninth. So oh. So there you go. Yep. Um Okay, so what about so, you? Give us a couple. All right. Well, first
1: of all I have to mention that I got my hands on the new J. Ryan Straddle book which is called the Logger Queen and I am not allowed to talk about it until July. So I'm not reading it yet just cuz I figure why, you know, why rush it. Well, what's it about? It's I mean, I'm sort of sad because it's about like like beer making and IPA and I love beer but I like really crappy beer. I don't like fancy beer. And so I hope I'm not going to get super bored with all the minutiae about the beer making. Hops. Yeah. And I just don't, it's just not my kind of beer. So, um, I don't know, but I have it on Kindle and I just have to, I have to just keep telling myself it's not there because I want to read it right now, but it's just, I've got too many other things I have to read and I'm not allowed to talk about it until it's, I've you know, until it comes out. I said, can I even say that I'm reading it? And she said, you can say that you're reading it, but that's it. So anyway, so I have that and that's on my list clearly for first half 2019, but I can't read it anytime soon. Um, But there's one that I was really intrigued by called Look How Happy I'm Making You. Have you heard of this one? Huh? It's called Look How Happy I'm Making You. Mm. Mm -mm. Polly Rosenwake. Um, I'm just pulling this up in Goodreads right now so I can get the date. It's okay. March 19th. So we're still a little bit away from this one, but it's all about perspectives on motherhood. So, um, I don't, it's a story collection and about like infertility and then someone becoming a single parent. So it's just all about different, um, perspectives on parenting, um, 12 stories, reveal pregnancy and new motherhood and all its anxiety and absurdity. So that mm. is, uh, that's on my list of books that I'm interested in finding this year. And it'll
0: make it on your short story. It can be your short story collection. Is that? Oh, um, actually I lied. I do have this. All right. I have this. Oh, you
1: have it. What do you have it in? And, um, Mm-mm. digital. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I want to read that one. So that is, uh, those
0: are some of the ones on my list. What else you got? Get distracted. Okay. All the lives we ever lived. So this is another trend. I mean, this has been a trend for a while. People writing about how either novelists or certain novels have expected, have, um, have um, I guess, changed their lives. Mm-hmm. And this one is about Virginia Woolf and To the Lighthouse. Okay. And it's written, the author Catherine Smith, she starts working on it after her father's death, and it talks about how she turned to her, you know, how this novel is where she went to sort of process her grief, her love for this novel. So it's sort of like, you know, talks about her book and the experience of the book. It's sort of about, you know, her and her relationship to her father and so it's just like a mix of things like memoir and literary cri- criticism. And and um, I always love books like that, you know, to because I think that's one of the questions you hear that people get asked a lot. Like, how did this book change your life or how did this affect your life or whatever? So I always really love hearing stories um, like that. Mm-hmm. So another one that I was really looking forward to because I had gone to this event and I heard the author speak – And this sounded really fascinating. This falls into trends of people whose stories might not have necessarily have been told are taking a moment and acknowledging either historical figures in their life or they're telling their story. And this one is called The World According to Fanny Davis, My Mother's Life in the Detroit Numbers. Hmm. And it's by Bridget Davis. So what was really fascinating to me about this was that she talks about how Um, how our lottery laws came to be. She talks about the lottery and how like slaves would win the lottery because the lottery has been around for much longer than I would have imagined, but slaves would win the lottery and they would buy themselves free. So basically they wanted to put a stop to that and they basically made, you know, that's how one of the reasons why lotteries became illegal so she talks about her how her mother she didn't realize her mother was doing this, or she sort of realizes in that way that you're a child and you realize things have been going on. She realizes that her mother was a bookie, and she was basically a really successful bookie, like she managed to buy um their house and and to, you know to put her kids through school. This is back in nineteen fifty eight And, um, so how her mom was able to do all of these things that she never talked about and she talks about her mother carried a gun. And, you know, when her mom finally passed, she gave herself permission to look into the story and to tell this story. And it just seems like I've been waiting for this to come out. Wow. That sounds good. So what about you? You have a few more?
1: Yeah. This one that I found is called the altruists. Oh, yeah, I know about that. Um, Andrew Ridker, R-I-D-K-E-R. And this one comes
0: out in the beginning of March. So this one... The Fannie Davis one is also out on January 29th. Oh, so yours are a little earlier than mine.
1: Um, This book reminds me of The Nest in some ways. So it's about this professor who is struggling to pay his mortgage. And so... He wants to get access to his kids' money, which his late wife left to them. So he's trying to, you know, get everyone together and so that he can sort of get his way to their money. He says it spans New York, Boston, Paris, St. Louis, and a small desert outpost in Zimbabwe, a darkly funny family saga in the tradition of Jonathan Franzen and Jeffrey Eugenides with shades of Philip Roth and Zadie Smith. A novel about Ooh. money, privilege, politics, campus culture, dating, talk therapy, rural sanitation, infidelity, the American beer industry, and what it means to be a good person. That seems kind of like Up Your Alley, too. You've, yeah, actually, you
0: say all kinds of catnip up in there. You marked it as to read
1: on Goodreads last July. <laughs> <laughs> I was on it. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> surprise like, me. And now I'm going to, while I'm sitting out. right here, I'm going to enter the <laughs> giveaway for this. Um, uh. Yeah. So um, anyway. The, the Goodreads giveaway
0: odds that we love so much. Yeah. Seems like a book that's up our alley. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I didn't even know I marked it on Goodreads. I know. How do I know about these things? That's hilarious. You probably found it on some list. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. So that's there. And then – oh, here's a book that I have. I'm all excited. It's called Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. Have you read anything by Susan Choi? Mm-mm. have you i haven't and i have
0: a friend just exercises on my list okay so. um she also wrote a book you're taking all my later ones so it's working out oh i'm sorry no no that's good because okay. i'm mentioning like january okay stuff. so i'm doing the later stuff so she wrote a book i wanted to read
1: called my education which i never read but then
0: oh yeah i remember
1: that yeah so now she's got this book coming out in march i guess let's see when is it um uh, April 9th. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, while. Wow. Oh, weird. This guy, Larry H. from Sadness or Euphoria, he rated it one star in November. Um, she, I think she's a friend of a friend of mine. So, she, she was able to hook me up with a copy of it. So, I have it. And it's about first love between high school students interrupted by the attentions of a charismatic teacher in the early 80s in an American suburb. So, it's got school setting. Kids, economic status, academic pressure, and family life. I don't know. Seems like a good mix. So um, I am excited to try it. Uh, mm. Yeah. The re- reviews, it's like they're either one star or five star. It's very interesting. So we'll have to see.
0: But that's on my list too. So either you are going to love this book mm-hmm. or you're going to throw it across the room. Right. And feel really bad because a
1: friend of mine got me, had it sent to me, but whatever. I'll worry about that. when I have to (laughs) (laughs) cross that bridge later. Yeah. Uh, what, anything else you have for January?
0: Yeah. Well, not January. Um, there's this book coming out on February 12th. It's called the secretary by Renee Knight. Um, I read her book called disclaimer. um, which was really good. Ooh, I had that book. What was that? Is that about like, you know, this author is really interesting because I feel like her books, cause I just got this the other day and I read like the first couple of pages and her books tend to be about, um, they're usually connected to books in other way. Like in the disclaimer, this woman is living, you know, she's like living her life. She's working on a documentary. She has, a husband and a son and she gets sent this book. And as she reads this book, she realizes that this book is about something that has happened in her past. Mm -hmm. And she's, um, she knows she recognizes herself. She knows that this book is about her and it's been sent to her as sort of a threat. So it's sort of, you know, then the story unfolds into what exactly it happened and, you know, who's sending her this book. And, um, The characters, like, I just hated everyone for quite a bit of time, which, you know, can sort of make for an odd read, and I think that's one of the issues that a lot of people had with this book, but by the end, and once all of the pieces fall into place, like, I just had such a different perspective on the characters in the book, and I really liked it. So, now she has written a book that is, I think it's basically something that would be up our alley, because it's about this woman who's working as a personal assistant and she sort of knows everything about this family. You know, she's like, she's been with this family for 20 years. So she's like, knows all of their secrets and, and, you know, is just like in all of the workings of their lives. But at some point she is going to decide that she is owed something for, um, I guess, all of her loyalty and all of her service. Okay. And it says there's a dangerous line between obedience and obsession. So, <laughs> Interesting.
1: I had I that disclaimer book on my shelf for years. I don't know if I still have it. It may not have made the purge. It may not, but it may still be there because it looked intriguing enough and then I just never picked it up. Right. <laughs> I was laughing because I was listening to in one of our episodes and – I said to you, was talking about From the Corner of the Oval, and you're like, oh, I'm dying to read that one, which means I never will. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so, so (laughs) classic. It's like the story of so many books.
0: You know, I came to something really sad the other day about how I choose books. And I don't like the books that I'm dying to read. Sometimes it takes me a while to read them, either because I've read a book by the author and I like like the book so much that there's always the question of, you know, is this book going to hold up Mm -hmm. or whatever? But I also find that I read to get books off of my shelf. Like I will pick up books that I'm just like, "Eh, I sort of might like it. I don't know. But let me just try to read it. Yeah, to get because it done. Because I know that I can. Then I can get it done and let it go. And that's a terrible reason to read books. And and I think that's why sometimes, and a lot of them. I mean, because whatever we we get so many books, and a lot of my time, basically, because I have, you know, like I live in a studio apartment. I can't just have you know like forty books come in a month and not get rid of books. But usually these are books that are books that are right up my alley for one reason or another, and you can't read everything that you know I just can't Mm -hmm. and I have to get rid of them so even the books that I sort of want to get out of the way there's a 50 50 shot that I will like them but all the books that I've really been dying to read are the ones that you you wait because you just because I'm just like well I know I want to read that book right but what about this other book because I'm sort of mixed about it maybe I want to read it maybe I'll like it maybe I won't and I'm just like, well, why don't I just see? And then that way I can just let this one go if it doesn't. And usually I'll end up finishing it. And so, but I'm going to try to stop doing that. Um, when I was listening to Sarah's podcast she, and she was talking to Catherine from Gilmore Guide to Books. I don't know if I mentioned this, I don't remember. But they were talking about you know where they got most of their recommendations. And you know Catherine was talking about, authors that she's read before mm-hmm. and that's usually where she gets her best reads and so I'm glad that there's some people whose you know work I like that is coming out like I mentioned um Tim Johnson has that book The Current that's coming out um there's this book by this woman Ann Weisgarber whose book I had read she has this book out called the glove maker Renee Knight has that book coming out so and I'm gonna try to like at least half the time to pick that book that I really want to read like in the oval book it seems like it's lighthearted from what you wrote
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah not as much heft maybe as you would have liked but yeah um so I'm gonna try to stop doing that yeah I do think there's a real fear, like what
1: you're saying, like with me with that J. Ryan Straddle book is like, I'm kind of putting it off because what if I don't like it? Right. That's going to be very difficult. So you kind of have this like, well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's easier to jump into an unknown author you have no relationship with. Right. And not have to then worry so much that maybe you won't actually end up liking it. Because then what do you do? then
0: you're... I don't know. I think that we should just allow them a bad book. Like, okay, I didn't like that one, but I still... I mean, usually if you don't like the subject matter, you do like the writing still. Like, oh, I couldn't get with that or whatever, but it's not like J. Ryan Straddle is going to just suddenly become a terrible writer. Right. With adjectives all over the place no. and adverbs. No.
1: I think that's <laughs> correct. It'll be fine. <laughs>
0: um,
1: all right, good. Well, I think we've got some a good list of things to look forward to in the next few months um anything else you want to cover now or you can always pick up next week with more
0: depressing hopeless books (laughs) (laughs) and which ones we've read yes yeah i think i think we should um we should let people off the hook we've been We've been yammering on for quite a all bit, right. but we had to catch up. And now, well, we'll, we'll talk separately about um, your event coming up. I'm so, super excited. Yes. Thank that. you. I'm excited, too. This is like a first for me, so it'll
1: be good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back. We're going to have some guests coming on this show in the next few months. We're going to say that every show and one show it'll be true. Yeah. Sometime a guest might actually come on. <laughs> And, uh, until we talk again, happy reading, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at TheReaderlyReport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about the reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonilla.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.